Thanks for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, check us out at cbctaylorville.com. Join us now as our guest speaker delivers this week's message. Good morning. It's good to be with you today. Um, Certainly, I've known most of your pastors, um, Gary Gray, and I went to college with Mike Branch. As a matter of fact, the church that Mike Branch pastors in Melbourne, Florida, Bethany Baptist, when Beck and I first got out of BBC, and my folks were professors there for 35 years, the first church we went to to serve was at Bethany Baptist in Melbourne, Florida. So that's kind of crazy, isn't it? And then Mike Stansel and then Pastor Steve. And I've been over here several times for state fellowship meetings back when we used to have a lot of them in Illinois because living in the Lou, uh, it's not far over here. So uh, I've known your church family from a little bit of a distance for a, a number of years. We, we pulled into St. Louis 40 years ago to plant a New Testament Baptist church. Things have gone real well. Um, and so we're just transitioning to a new pastor. His name's Daniel Duke. He was a missionary to Peru. And so I've uh, got a, probably a few more days ahead of me than I had behind me. And so we're heading that way toward, toward retiring. I'm not really retiring. I'm taking orders instead of giving orders. Now, that's a, like the old theologian Dean Martin said, ain't that a kick in the head, right? Young people, Dean Martin wasn't a theologian, okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we had, uh, we, we were just kind of going, and things have changed a lot. Man, how many would agree with me, the last two years, this world's gone stupid, man. It's just crazy, hasn't it? And um, just a lot of crazy things. And so I got a lot of life left ahead of me. All of my grandparents and my parents lived into their 90s, so I got a lot of time. My my wife's mom is still alive. She'll be 100 this coming, or a year from this August. And she's a piece of work. I mean, she's had COVID and lived through it. She's had cancer twice. We saw her over the holidays, and I said, and, and we were talking, and, and she lives in an assisted living place, and she goes, you know what kills me? And I go, evidently nothing kills you, <laughs> you know? But she's a solid Christian, loves the Lord, and um, so I I hope I've got a lot of ministry left together with the Lord. You know, things have changed a lot in our lifetime, and I think that if we're not careful, the way that our country's going really is against the flow of what Christianity really is propagating. And so I'm going to ask you a question this morning, how's your joy? Because this whole world will steal your joy if you're not careful. And lots of things have changed in our, in our life, and I kind of feel like joy's under attack. But, you know, in my generation, you didn't have cell phones. My folks out on the farm in Nebraska used to have a crank phone where you take the receiver off and listen to it. And their, their uh, phone number was three shorts and a long, like that, and, and 16 people on the line. And uh, so, I mean, it's different. Then they had rotary phones. How many of y'all had a rotary phone? Look at all those old people. Raise those hands right up there. You know that? And uh, I had a teenager in my house the other day. We got back from a Cardinal game, and I said, call your folks. And we have an old rotary phone in the, in the basement. And I said, you can use that one. It still works, you know. And he was, like, pressing the holes. I don't know how this 
works, you know. But nowadays, we all got one of these, don't we? We all got some kind of cell phone. And I mean, like I could come in and uh, like one of your deacons, Steve, I met him at the door. I knew who he was because I looked him up on online, you know, and of course, Troy and, and uh, I'm excited for your new pastor, Chad and stuff. But you, boy, these things can really, these can really do it for you, but you're really tied to them. You know, if you forget it, you go off to work, you got to turn around, go get it, right? Because you left half your brains at home, you know, and, but with this phone comes a lot of pressure, a lot of stress. Uh, If you're on Facebook, if you're on any kind of social media, you know, if you watch people that have everything on the line, you know, and they're always, it seems like they're trying to impress you on how good a life they're living. Do you ever, you ever know like that? And don't, don't look at that person who's, who always does that right now, you know, but wow, you always got to live up to the impressions that you have on this phone. And, and when you do those kind of things, sometimes that pressure makes you perform and it just steals you from being able to be who you are. You know, God's created you in a particular way and to enjoy the things that he's done for you. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to open God's word for you this morning and we're going to talk about how you can have the real joy that God wants you to have. And, and if you're going to look at these kind of things, what you're going to see is that if you came in this morning and you were lacking a little bit of that joy, maybe life's beat you down, maybe things are not going the right way today, and you think about that this morning, I want to try to give you something you can take home with you, a good old dose of God-given joy. I think we could use that this morning. And by the way, why would you ever want to navigate life with and be miserable and not have the joy that God gives to us? Maybe you came with a very you know, low joy quotient this morning, but God's going to change that. How many of y'all remember the song, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart? There you go, right, like that? And we're going to put that joy back in our heart this morning. So I'm going to ask you a question. What is joy? And I've kind of given a definition for it. Joy is simply this. Joy is a deep feeling of contentment produced from the fact that God is in charge of all the events in your life. It doesn't mean that everything happens to you that produces joy is happy. How many of you know that happiness is actually the opposite of joy? Happiness is contained with the things that happen to you. And sometimes if you have this kind of feeling of joy and, and, the, and uh, the fact, the reality that you know that your life's in God's hands and, and when he gives you something that might not be the most pleasurable thing, you always realize on the fact that God's in charge of the events in your life and you go, God's going to work through this, isn't he? God's got something special for going on with this. If you don't, then what happens if you don't have that joy, then you kind of feel like it's all up to you, that there's a lot of stress there, you know, oh, this thing's happened to me, now we've got to figure this out and you kind of get out of control in your life. Well, this morning you need to pull up to God's table and say, God, give me a big old helping of joy in my life. Now, the passage that we're going to go to is in Acts chapter 20, and the Apostle Paul says that it's absolutely going to amaze you that if you'll listen to what God has for you, that you're going to receive joy that only God can give to you. 
And he's not only going to tell you how to get joy, but he's going to tell you how to have the world that will keep from stealing joys from you. So let's read together as we go in Acts chapter 20. It'll be on the screen. And verse 19 says this, Serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. And Paul was saying, it's just humbly I was trying to serve God. And these Jews were trying to give me trouble and they were succeeding, but that didn't stop me. Look at the next verse. Testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see how I go bound to the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Wow, that sounds like exciting times, doesn't it? But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my race with, say that word with me, joy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. God says, Paul, you're going to have a lot of trouble. And Paul says, sign me up, brother. You know how he could say that? Because he had joy. He knew God was in charge of his life. I'm going to hope that you can say that this morning. You know, in verse 24, he said, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to me that I may finish my race with joy. Would you bow with me in prayer? Lord, we thank you so much for your word and the direction that it gives to us. And I pray this morning for that soul here who's struggling with a lot of the crazy things that's going on in this world. Maybe they're facing the COVID stuff and their vaccine craziness and whether they take the shot or not and the struggles at work and the struggles at home, the financial problems, the, the peril of finances and all these things. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to have a joy that would tell us in our heart of hearts that you are in charge of the events in our life. Speak to us now through your word. We pray that you'd receive all the glory and praise. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, you say, Pastor Keith, I've got joy, it just doesn't show. You know, you really can't have joy and not have it show. It's not something you just kind of turn on. It's kind of like when my wife on Thanksgiving, she makes these, uh, these pecan pie chocolate chip pies. You ever had one of those? Man, this thing will kill you. It is that good, you know. And it's kind of like joy. Once you have it, you always want a little bit more because, man, you're going, hey, God's in charge of this. This is going to be okay. I can weather any storm. And, man, give me another helping of that joy. And you think about these kind of things, and uh, you think about the joy that you need to have. How many of y'all have kids? How many have grandkids? Yeah. Uh, how many of y'all know that kids can really tell they're like God's little spies, aren't they? And grandkids are really God's little spies, and they can tell whether or not you have joy or not. They can, they can tell the, the, ta- the, the temperament and the feelings of a home. And when you think about these kind of things, you say, Pastor Keith, 
I have problems and it just seems like they always overwhelm me. Well, then you need joy to, joy to handle those things. Did you know that you can have joy in the midst of great trials and problems in life? The Apostle Paul did. Listen to what he said in 1 Thessalonians 1. He said, and you having become followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. You can have a lot of affliction and yet the joy is still there. So how's your joy? Listen to what the apostle Peter said when he praised those early disciples for having joy. He said, whom having not seen you love, talking about the Lord, Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. You can have that joy. And folks, if there's ever time in American history that we need joy, it's today. All the division that we have in America, all the struggles, the political upheaval, the international unrest, you know, that guy over in Korea kept firing off missiles, all that. Man, this world is a powder keg, isn't it? The... the COVID and its variants, all the financial uncertainty, inflation. You know, inflation is terrible. Bacon's gone up 28%. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Who cares how much cars go up? Bacon's up 27 uh, Anyway, all those kinds of things are crazy. And one thing we need more than anything else is joy. There's a truth that you need to hold on to is that this, that believers can have joy. That joy is powerful and it comes from the Lord's Holy Spirit. And he comes into our lives and people see that joy and they want to have that joy because how can somebody stand amidst all the problems of this world and still be able to get through it unless you have the joy and people see those kind of things. So I want you to write down three things that will help you to obtain this joy that we find in this passage. And the first idea is this, is that you get your eyes off of your circumstances. Take your eyes off your circumstances. Once again, our circumstances control our happiness. Happerstances is the word that's used for happiness. It kind of says, give me all the right happenings, you know, let everything kind of go my way. Let me be lucky and I'll, I'll be happy. I'll have all these kind of things because, we're, because happiness is controlled by circumstances. But circumstances do not control joy. You know, sometimes people think if I win the lottery, man, things will all be well, you know. And sometimes even Christians feel that way. Get everything going that way. And you've seen the stories, haven't you? After somebody has uh, won the lottery five years later, they're, they're poor again. They got dirt, and, and they're worse off because how many know that going down is a lot harder than going up, isn't it, right? All the happenings of life, but joy is not built on happening, happenings. Sometimes people think if I could just get that next possession, if I get that new car, that new house, or go to that particular job that I want. Jesus said these words, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of the things he possesses. Luke chapter 12, verse 14. Joy is not controlled by your circumstances. Get your eyes off the circumstances. Paul said in our text, none of these things move me. And Paul's, Paul's trying to say that the things of my life are not controlled by the outside circumstances. I have the joy that passes all understanding. 
I think one of the crazy things about being a pastor is that people come to you for counseling and they'll come and, and they'll say, man, I got some serious problems going on in my life. And, and I'll have them sit down we'll make an appointment, sit down and they'll begin to list all their problems. Man, they'll list um, 12, 15, 20 problems. And I'll be thinking under my breath, man, you are messed up. You know, <laughs> I don't know which one to start with, you know, and I'm kind of thinking through all that, and wow, what is going on here? And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of counting all their problems, and oh, they got more problems than Carter has pills, you know. And, and I'm thinking about all those problems, and, I, and I, I summon all of my understanding, my experience, my, my degrees, and so forth. And I, I say, okay, we'll sit down, get a piece of paper and pen. We're going to write down some things that you, that you really need. And they go, wow, this is good because I need to get rid of all these all these problems. And I go, okay, well, write down all your problems. They're going, well, I don't really want to do that. I came to get rid of my problems, not to dwell on them. I said, write them down. And, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to thank God for your problems. And you go, really? I came here for help. I don't want to, I don't want to look, just trust me, write down your problems. And how many know this? That until you're obedient to God's word, you'll never get rid of your problems. The Apostle Paul put it this way in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. You're out of God's will if you don't thank God for the different kind of circumstances that you're in. Thanking for him, you know, what God's done for you in your life. As a matter of fact, those problems are what brought you to me, I would tell them. The solutions of God's word is going to answer these problems. It's a wonderful thing that you have these problems. Thank God for them. Why should we not give thanks, you know, not discounting the fact that we're commanded to? And that's because we give thanks because during tempestuous times in our lives, when we give thanks for those things, what we are really saying is this, God, you're in charge of my life. You're in control of the events of my life. And these things are going to work. It's going to be a blessing to go through these because I'm going to learn how to trust you even more in my life and so we get our eyes off of the problems of life. My mom passed away at 91 a couple years ago, a really great and godly lady. And she had several debilitating kind of, of plagues in her life. She had rheumatoid arthritis at, at, in her early 20s. And, and those, that was devastating. You know, the hands begin to... And so she had a lot of treatment for those. She's had cancer herself twice. But she refused to just dwell on those kind of things. Instead, she pushed forward with God, always thanking God for the health that she did have. She was chairman of the English department. But my point is not to elevate my mom. My point is to say is that she chose to look at the part that God was in charge of this and that she wasn't just mad at him. Look what happened to me and all the feel sorry kind of things. No, she thanked God. She had four kids trying to raise them through all this. Uh, I have an identical twin brother, and I was talking to uh, Griffith and Grayson. Gray, uh, Grayson? Man, they're two good-looking guys, aren't they? All you poor single people that don't have a twin, we, we feel sorry for them, don't we? My identical twin brother and I made a, a Hardee's commercial about 25 years ago. That's how identical we were. And had a great time just always growing up. I call him every day. 
Can you imagine a mom trying to run a full life, being a pastor's wife and a chairman of the English department, having all these things, and yet her whole life was built around thanking God for what she had? All these kind of things were part of that. And she constantly lived in agony, but her heart was to please God. I say that to to help you realize that you choose joy. You choose whether or not you're going to say, I'm going to thank God for any kind of situation, any kind of problem, any kind of event in my life. And is it hard? Absolutely it's hard. But you make those choices that God is in control of the circumstances. So how's your joy factor? Um, Maybe your next set of circumstances are going to be wonderful. I hope so. Maybe they won't. But it shouldn't steal your joy. Joy's going to have its ups and downs, but it should never affect your joy. So get your eyes off your circumstances. The second principle I want to give you this morning is that you'll be willing to sacrificially serve. That's what the Apostle Paul did to sacrificially serve. Now, most of the time when we tell Christians that we want them to be servants, they say something like this. What you talking about, Willis? Y'all know that one, don't you? The old people, you know that one? How many of y'all knew that one? There's uh, different strokes and so forth. And what, what they were really saying is, no, sir, I'm not doing that. What are you talking about? I'm not doing that. You have to sacrificially serve. In Hebrews chapter 12, God's word says this about Jesus. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The motivating principle that Jesus had going to the cross was joy. That's what made him do it. I hope that you know this, that one of the best ways to get rid of your problems is to help somebody else with their problems. Did you ever know that? I'm sure you do. It's not that your problems get any less. But many times by helping somebody else, you realize a couple of things. You go, you know what? If God can fix them, he can fix me. And sometimes you help somebody else and you go, you know, my problems aren't near as bad as I thought they were. You ever have that kind of thought? Yeah, you do. They're that part of it which, which helps us. And so we ought to say when we ask how good is your joy, we ought to be saying how good is your service? Some Christians think that everybody is here to serve them. You know what would fry Chad's brain when he came here is if you all got really busy and served. He'd go, man, I walked into heaven itself, wouldn't he? Service is where the joy is at. When's the last time that you prayed to God and say, God, give me somebody to help? Not, God, give somebody to help me. No, not that way, but you'd say, God... Give me somebody that I can really help. Jesus said these words, the greatest among you will be the servant of all. I wonder who's the greatest person in this auditorium. Garrett, you have a pretty good idea. No, I'm not going to ask him who it is. But, uh, you know, who's the greatest servant? Who's the person that maybe when nobody's looking, you're still helping people? Or maybe that person that you can always count on that person that's a servant, and God says they're the greatest of all. We ought, to, we ought to challenge ourselves to let that happen to us. And 
yet God never says when we kind of help someone, sometimes people go, you know, I know somebody that I can help. But you know what? They never even say thank you. You ever have somebody like that? You help them, they don't even give a holy grunt like, ah, thanks, you know, like that. Did you know that God never promised you that they would? God never promised you that they'd be really thankful. You're not doing it for them anyway. They're just the beneficiaries of the service that you're doing for Jesus. Wow, that's something, isn't it? So how's your service? You say, well, I don't have much money. I can't really serve much. You don't have to have money. A kind word, a phone call, a text, something that you could do just to kind of fill the gap, just being there. Someone has a loss in their family, you know, just going there, not even saying anything. You don't even know what to say sometimes, but just by being there, give them a hug and a concerning kind of thought for them. Just something encouraging. Howard Hendricks was a longtime professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. He's a hoot. He's a lot of fun. And he was sitting on the tarmac one summer afternoon in Dallas. And you know how how hot it can get in Dallas. And he's sitting on the tarmac. And something goes wrong with the plane. And when they they turned off the plane. And when they turn off the plane, they turn off the AC too. And it was getting ignorantly hot inside that in that plane you ever been there broken down on a plane and and there's this guy on the plane just absolutely incorrigible just barking at the flight attendant give me some water give me this and that this is crazy i'm gonna ask for my money back and rah, 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 rah. you ever been around somebody like that and this flight attendant was so gracious just met every need i apologize you know i i kind of get tired of people going sorry for your inconvenience so you know done that fry your potatoes but and so like all that but she kept she, she kept kind of meeting his needs and so forth finally the plane came on and started taxiing down the runway and and howard hendrick said to the flight attendant you know i was really impressed by the way you conducted yourself I'm going to write American Airlines. I'm going, to, I'm going to tell them about you. I hope they give you a big fat bonus because of this. And she said to him, she said this, uh, that's nice. Thank you for doing that. I really didn't do it for him anyway. I did it for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Isn't that the reason that we ought to serve? To get ourselves out of the way. And when you get yourself out of the way, guess what? The joy of God comes Sometimes people say that's just pie in, the, pie in the sky kind of stuff. Actually, that's Bible stuff is what that is. They think that we ought to be selfish and only care for our, ourselves. But I want to tell you this, that life is, is really trivial when it's only spent on me, myself, and I. Get your eyes off yourself. Be a service to someone else. So... Get your eyes off your circumstances for joy. And then secondly, serve sacrificially. Do it for God's sake and your own. Look for somebody to help. Look for somebody that you can make a difference in their life. Pray, Lord, give me somebody to show your love to. I'm going to move on to the third one before I do. How many of y'all know the character Winnie the Pooh? You remember Winnie the Pooh? Winnie Pooh had a, a sidekick. His name was Eeyore. He was a gray little donkey. You remember Eeyore? Eeyore was so sad. I'm okay today, but it'll probably rain tomorrow. You know, churches are filled full of Eeyores sometimes, aren't they? 
you ever ask somebody, how are you? And you're going, oh, what was I thinking? Why did I ask them that, you know? Let's be an encouraging soul. We choose those kind of things. Let's serve. So how's your joy? The Holy Spirit wants you to have it. Get your eyes off your circumstances. Serve God in a sacrificial way. And then lastly, tell others about Jesus. Now, if you're watching at home, I know this is live stream. You might want to take a picture. If you're looking for the points, they're all in one place right there. And so you can do that right now and you'll have all the points together. Listen to that last verse that the Apostle Paul is talking about. He says, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Every one of us is called to be a witness for Jesus Christ. When you look at at Acts 1-8 and you see all the people that are there and you see all the different verses go into all the world and preach the gospel. It's not just written to pastors or missionaries. It's written to every single soul that's a believer. It is our responsibility, our joy, to tell somebody about Christ. By the way, with all this COVID that's going on, people are freaked out about eternity, aren't they? I'm going to catch the COVID. You cough and everybody going, ooh, like that, you know, like they're crazy about COVID. If there's ever a time in the history of America that people want to hear about eternity, it's today. People are looking forward. I got a cold sore. Don't those are kick in the head, man. Those hurt, you know. And 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 yet everybody is stressed out about COVID. They're wanting to hear the truth. You know what, folks? Let's not disappoint them. You know they're talking about what happens if I die. Tell them what happens when they die. If they die with the Lord in their heart and all the blessings that are happening there. You remember when we first had the lockdown a a year and a half ago, what was the one thing that everybody was after? Do you remember? Toilet paper, right. I had a friend in Ohio that bought a semi full of toilet paper. Zaneville, Ohio bought a... what What would... a guy be thinking to buy a whole semi full of... And so what he did, he's got all these members together, and he said, what I want you to do is I want you to put a label on the front of every little four-pack of toilet paper, you know, the name of our church. I think it was Lighthouse Baptist Church. And, and then I want you to cut a little hole in the top of where the little, you know, cylinders go down. I want you to stuff a track down in every single one of those. So they delivered toilet paper, a whole semi-load all over Zaneville, Ohio. People are calling up, wow, thanks a lot for the gift. You know, everybody's stressing about it. Thank you, I appreciate that. How do, you, how do you get saved and things like that? They had several people saved as, as the kind of the toilet paper that was being passed out to the community. I can just see in heaven, can't you? We get to heaven and, and people are asking, you know, okay, Troy, how did you get saved? And Troy would tell us. And then you get to somebody that was saved in Zaneville, Ohio. How did you get saved? Well... I was sitting on the throne in the bathroom (laughs) reading something, looking for something to read, you know. (laughs) Now, you might be going, okay, that's not my style. Let me tell you, that's not my style either, all right? But what is your style, right? Everybody has a friend. Everybody has somebody that you know that needs Jesus. Somebody cornered D.L. Moody one time. They said, 
you know, I don't like the style that you do in your evangelism. And D.L. Moody said, well, what style do you have? And they said, well, I don't have a style. And D.L. Moody said, well, then I like my style better than yours. So what style do you have? How do you, how do you witness to someone? What is it that makes a big deal to you? How do you do that? Everyone has friends. God gives you a certain group of people to minister to. When I was in St. Louis, I was elected uh, three times to the Pattonville School District. It's, my, my church is right off 70 in Lindbergh. If you go south one mile on Lindbergh, you can find Lighthouse. And, and it's right in one of the biggest school districts in the state of Missouri. I was elected twice to the school board. And when I got on the school board... Everybody knew, the teachers, everybody, they knew, well, this is a preacher, and what's he going to be doing? They kind of expected me to talk about Jesus. Now, I wasn't weird and grab him by the throat, shove Christianity in their mouth, but you know what? When we came to a moral topic in the school district, who do you think they looked to to come with the right answer? You know what I'm saying is this, is that people are expecting, they know that you're a Christian. If you have joy, joy is more contagious than the coronavirus, right? I mean, it is contagious. They want what you have. Don't disappoint them. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them what you have. It's the greatest joy that you have as a Christian. God's placed you in that life, and your joy is to be able to share Christ with someone else. If you've never done that, you have missed out on one of the most wonderful blessings of of the joy that God can give you by sharing the gospel with someone else. As I get older, it seems like I relate more with older people. I think that you, you all can tell that, you know, I, this new generation of preachers, you know, I'm not a skinny jean kind of preacher, you know, I don't wear the jeans with the rips in them, and I don't, I don't like coming to church looking like a homeless person, you know, so it's a whole different generation for me, trust me, you know. But I gravitate more toward the old guys, and there's a guy that started coming to our church, and his wife was very serious. She had... She had cancer and she was dying. And he came to the church for help. His name was Cliff Weber. And God helped him. There on her deathbed, being in Catholicism all of her life, she prayed and asked God to save her. And it wasn't just but a matter of a few days till she passed. Well, Cliff and I became very, very good friends. And as we developed that relationship, we got to lunch every day on Friday, and we went to the VFW post down the street, and they served fish and stuff. We were sitting out on a bench one day, and I asked Cliff, I said, Cliff, if you were to die today, do you know where that you would spend eternity? Cliff said these words. He said, how could I know? I've gone to the Catholic Church all my life. I have no idea. And I can't begin to tell you the joy that was in my heart to be able to share with him about Christ and to hear him pray there along Midland Road in Overland, Missouri, the sinner's prayer and to ask Christ into his life. And this is a picture of Cliff when I was baptizing him uh, a few months later. He's, he's going to turn 81 this coming Thursday. On the way here yesterday, I got a call from his, sis, his daughter, Melissa, and said that, that, that uh, Cliff is in DePaul Hospital and he's got COVID and he's not doing very well. So I'm concerned about Cliff. If you'd pray for him, I'd appreciate it. But you know, one day we were sitting there on those picnic benches. I, I told him, Cliff, you know, heaven, heaven wouldn't be near as cool without you being there. And I'm so glad that you're going. He said, you know, Pastor Keith, when we get to heaven, I hope I live right next door to you. And I said, 
I don't know, Cliff, I like you that much or not, but... <laughs> no, I said, you know, Cliff, I hope so too. Now, now, Cliff's not in really great health, and he may pass. It may not be COVID, but one of these days soon. And, you know, you have a friend. When I'm talking about Cliff, some of you all have a friend. And when I said his name, you were thinking of somebody else that needs Jesus that, that is your friend. And I'm going to tell you that heaven would not be as sweet without your friend, without your mother, without your father, a brother or sister, somebody you work with. They need to hear about Jesus. And I want to tell you, when you hear that prayer, there's no joy like hearing that prayer prayed for them and for you as you hear God work in their lives. Would you bow with me in prayer, please? This morning, I've given you three points. I've asked you to get your eyes off your own circumstances. I've asked you to serve God in a sacrificial way. And then I've asked you to don't forget to tell others about Jesus. How many would say right right now, in just a few moments that we have, and I think that we're going to have some music here, but I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I just want to ask you to raise your hand and say, Pastor Keith, I'm going through some trials right now, and it's stealing my joy, and, and I just want to pray to God that I get my eyes off of these terrible circumstances that I'm in and trust them to God. Would you raise your hand across this congregation? Yes. Yes, yes. Look to God. He's got these things planned. He's doing them for a reason. That joy will be there when you trust him with those. Secondly, how many would say, Pastor Keith, you know, I'm kind of done being served. It's my turn to get up and start being a blessing to someone else, whether it's serving here at Calvary or whether it's just being a blessing to somebody needs it. And you can think of 10 people right off the bat that quick of people that you could be a blessing to. And I'm going to tell you, it would increase your joy quotient 10 times if you'd do that. How many say, Pastor Keith, help me to be a servant of God. Would you raise your hand? Yes, yes. Then my last question, and I'll be done this morning. Thank you so much for being so, so attentive and kind. How many say, Pastor Keith, when you're talking about your friend Cliff that I have a friend like that that I need I need I have to I have to share Christ with them maybe you have and uh, and it's not come true yet but you want to be persistent just say Pastor Keith help me to be the witness that I need to be would you raise your hand right wherever you're at yes 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 lots of hands God, hear my prayer. Help us to have the joy that only you can give. Help us, dear God, to take our eyes off our situation, help others, and then to share you with other people. Give us that joy. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to say one other thing before, before I close. On New Year's Eve, I had a neighbor across the street named Steve and Steve I'd been talking to him about coming to church a lot he came this last fall to a trivia thing we were doing trying to raise for missions money and, and so forth and he learned that our people weren't as weird as what he thought they were you know and so the first time he's ever come into a Baptist church was Christmas Eve came with his wife his children 
kind of a big thing in, in St. Louis with all the Christmas Eve service, and he heard a very clear definition of the gospel. I talked to him about Lord several times, and he said, you know, I'm caught up in this one denomination. I won't say what it is. And he goes, I just, I, I'm going to hell. I know that I am. I go, Steve, you don't have to go to hell. So Steve came to church. I was so excited about that. That night, one time he heard the gospel. Pastor Daniel helped, you know, to pray a prayer. I don't know if he ever prayed the prayer, but that, that night his grandkids were all over to the house, just right across the street from us. He got up on the roof. He was trying to, you know, the grandkids wouldn't go to, go to bed. And so he's like Rudolph the reindeers and he's up on the roof. And of all the crazy things, the freakest accident ever happened. He fell off of that roof, landed on his head. And last Monday, we pulled the plug on him because he was brain dead. You know, if you're here this morning, maybe you're watching online, you're thinking, I've got all this time to make a decision for Christ. You know what? Steve only had one chance. The one time he was ever in church to heard the gospel, he had one chance. I do not know if he'll be there to welcome me when I enter eternity. I don't mean to scare you about this, but this may be your only chance. It may be the only time you come to a clear confrontation with the gospel. Am I going to go God's way or am I going to go my way? I would challenge you. I would argue for your soul this morning that you would choose Christ. It is by far the greatest decision you will ever make. I made it when I was six years old and I've never gotten over it. And I know that you will desire for all of eternity to to thank God for that decision that you make, to ask him into your heart. Thank you, God bless you. Thank you for allowing me to come here this morning.